It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Here with me in the KFG studios, my friends and colleagues, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Well, you love your kids and you'd do anything for them if they were in need, wouldn't you? But is that infringing on your financial goals? A recent study suggests that it is happening and it is happening quite often. We're going to be sharing the results of the study and helping you know uh, how you can successfully manage the tension between assisting your kids financially and achieving your own financial uh, future and dreams yourself. Well said, because it really is a tension, and and we're going to step right into that today and talk about all sorts of things that are related to this topic. If you have any questions, we've got uh, several great questions that we're going to be hitting in the second half of the show. If you have any of your own or have any needs, reach out to us 574-222-2000 you can call or text us 574-222-2000 if you're submitting a question that way i just encourage you we had a question last week if you were listening that related to your the the person's specific age in social security so put your name at the beginning your age maybe where you're you're where you live where you're from and uh that'd be very helpful you can also submit your question online wisemoneyradio.com you can catch up on previous episodes right there wisemoneyblog.com is where the blogs are if you want to catch that content and then lastly all over social media just search wise money show youtube facebook twitter subscribe to it share it and make sure you're notified whenever any new content is dropped in those locations all right this is we had before we started recording today there we, we had some glue jokes that smells like adhesive for some reason in the studio this morning <laughs> uh, but uh but this is a sticky situation that we're entering into today yes kevin your brain hurts one where it, you know it might challenge your personal values and maybe your money view as josh calls it your worldview on money um we're talking about financially helping your kids, what that means for your finances, and what that also means for their finances. Um, in the spirit of helping, is there are, are there some consequences and even some unintended consequences? A recent study came out by Bankrate that um, was asking, I mean, we, we are in a retirement preparedness crisis. It is a crisis right now. You, you've heard the stats. We've talked about it before. We're actually going to devote an entire show just to that crisis in a few weeks. Um, and yet the study shows that more and more Americans are grappling with prolonged adolescence. 51% of parents are helping their adult kids financially. And not financially like, well, when they're really in need. No, with their basic financial needs basic needs, 51%. And 51% 
say that's infringing on their ability to save up for retirement or even on when they're going to retire. So let's just launch it from there. Guys, what do you think? What's You know what? Just just a couple weeks ago, we finished uh, teaching a retirement planning course at Lake Michigan College. And at the beginning of every course, I, I ask everyone as they're kind of piling into the room, um, what do you hope to get out of this class? Are there certain subjects or topics that you want to make sure that we cover? And this was the first time that I had more than one person raise their hand and say, can, can we address the topic of how to stop supporting your kids financially? This is in a retirement class. Was Andrea there? She she was not. Oh, okay. She was not. Okay. <laughs> was, was mom, were mom and dad there? I, I told Tant? my kids they're <laughs> off the payroll at 13. So Got it. Uh, get ready, kids. You're on your own. <laughs> I, no. said, I mean, it's a legitimate. I was, I was quite fascinated by the research in this article, and, and I hadn't, you hadn't shared that with me, Josh, that, that, that had come up. Not surprised. No, and and it feels like, and this is anecdotal evidence, but more and more new folks coming in are still supporting their kids financially in some way. I I had a brand new client earlier this year who he already retired and is still making car loan payments and car insurance payments. Kids are still on the cell phone bill. When he's in his 60s, he's now trying to live on a pension and Social Security, a fixed income and supporting the kids in retirement already. There's a couple tricky ones in there. We're, I think we'll get into this detail, but the cell phone one we'll talk about. And then the um, the health insurance is another one. I mean, you're allowed to keep your kids on your health insurance until they're what, 90, <laughs> 95? It's a long time. And, um, and I, I think they extended that time in the aftermath of the financial crisis. However, last I saw, the at least the unemployment rate's pretty low. And so kids shouldn't really need to use that. But anyway, Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you've got uh, of the three of us, we're all we're all dads, we're all parents. We've all we all want the best for our kids. You've got some that are flying from the coop right now. Yeah, well, I I think most of the lessons that I needed to learn in life, I was able to learn growing up on a farm and still um, kind of fancying myself as a gentleman farmer. And um, with the animals, what there's a actually what happens uh, when they're babies um, and they're feeding from their mother, there's eventually a weaning process. Mm-hmm. And there are different descriptors for that. But I, I would want you to think at some point in time, these, uh, what are baby animals, are not dependent upon the mother. And so it's very, we are different than uh, farm animals. And, and I would never make a value judgment and tell someone, hey, listen, you are wrong to pay that cell phone bill. Um, what I, what I, what we try to do is take people wherever they are with whatever kind of energy they have and put that energy into making their next right step. So if you are listening and you find yourself wondering, well, what what is what what bills should I or should I not be paying for my children? That is something that you want to answer in the context of a financial plan. Because if you have it, if you have the money and all of your other financial goals are taken care of, then you have to look at that and say, well, what 
what what do I want to do now? And then you want to consider because people think it's it's just a it's just a math game then, right? Is it a math game? It's not a math game because you can actually really screw someone up by giving them money. Um, and so you and I can tell you I've never I've yet to meet the parent who says, "Yep, I by giving my kids money, I'm screwing them up and I'm doing so happily." No, no one wants to do that. But that actually can sometimes be the result. And it's tricky because a lot of times people will look at the result and say, oh, this person's screwing up their kids by giving them all this money. Therefore, they just want to screw up their kids. No, they don't. I can promise you they don't. But there's something in there. When you think of addiction, you think of, well, people are operating out of these kind of these four centers, either either pleasure or comfort or fear or anger. Mm. And so when you when we talk about internal finance and this is why you again you want to talk with a certified financial planner who can kind of walk you through these things and help you identify, hey, what's going on? We can it's easy to see the behavior, but what's behind that behavior? Well, I feel guilty. I didn't spend enough time with my kids when they were growing up, so I will not deny them any pleasure uh, at at this time and it gives me pleasure to do so as well. Well, that's great, but if you are if you are neutering your children either psychologically or financially by giving them certain resources, then you're really not. That's not where you're trying to go. You started with with the importance of starting with starting this tension, addressing this tension from your financial plan. And that is the same drum today. I I mean, if you're a regular listener to the Wise Money Show, I hope you are. That's the same drum we're hitting today because anytime you say yes to one thing financially, you're saying no to something else. And so, so Kevin, Kevin addressed that, and then he quickly said, "But if all your goals are met, then you've got to figure out what's the right way to to raise your kids, and what are some of the unintended consequences, and so on." Yeah, we've got to get there too, but you've got to start with knowing. All right, what are all the things that you can say yes to? And if you say yes to these, you you realize you're saying no to these, and you need to. Sometimes it's just making that sort of tangible, making that clear that, all right, here's the consequence to saying, to doing this over here. It's a trade-off to this over here. And you might say, I'm okay with that, but let's make that decision a, a, a clear one. So we're going to pick right back up on this. Financially, are you saying no to your own retirement to help your adult kids? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Half of Americans in a recent survey admit that they are helping their adult children, not their teenagers, their adult children with basic financial expenses, basic ones. And they're realizing this is creating some consequences in their own, the parents, their own financial security and financial peace, and also having some unintended consequences on the independence and development of those kids. Sticky topic. We're entering in it today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me, as always, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal. 
previously Ledoux, Kern, and Keene for sponsoring today's show, as well as First State Bank. Thank you very much. And once again, if you have any questions, we've got a few great ones coming up in the second half of the program. 574-222-2000. Call or text 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then social media, just search Wise Money Show. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can submit questions that way and catch up on all content that way also. All right, so a recent survey from Bankrate showed nearly half of Americans are covering basic basic expenses for their adult kids. And then, you know, this research went in to say, well, the kids feel that it's necessary. I, that was alarming when I read that. The kids feel that it's necessary that between the ages of 23 to 38, I believe, I don't have it right in front of me, that, that when the kids were surveyed, they felt, no, I need this help. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when it was also then asked back of the parents, all right, by helping, where are you at with your own retirement preparation? And they've said, behind, behind. I've either taken money out of retirement to help my kids, or I'm not able to save as much as I need to because I'm helping with some basic utility bills, grocery bills, even health insurance, cell phone, that sort of stuff for the kids. And so we all want to do anything possible to help our kids. But are, are there some unintended consequences? Are you hurting your kids by actually doing this? Well, and, I mean, you're right. We do all want to help our kids. And if you're watching your kids and they're struggling to get going in their career or get going in their financial life or they're stressed out in some way, that's something that uh, it's been well documented. This generation that is entering into the workforce is one of the most stressed out generations that has ever walked this planet. Yeah. Right. Higher levels of anxiety, um, mental health illness. I mean, you, you name it. It is a stressful existence that they're coming into. And a lot of people are making connections with social media and all the devices and stuff like that. That's not what this show is about, though. It really is about uh, what is your response to your kid's situation. And if it's in your power to help them financially and you believe that that is good for them, that's one thing. But do you know with certainty whether it even is in your power to help them? What are the consequences of assisting? What will it mean for your financial future? So I I feel like, you know, this is maybe a show that I want to speak for a moment to some of the youngest parents out there. You're just getting started. I, I think you need to hear this dilemma that many parents are facing and start making a resolution in your mind that you're going to have a game plan for when your children are going to have the full responsibility of their financial life on their shoulders and off of yours. Somewhere along the line, you're going to be using your finances to get your kids ready for the future. Don't be tempted to use your finances to get a future ready for your kids. Your job is not to, you know, just pave the way for them or make sure that everything is just great. You need to get them ready for whatever the future may hold. And if you don't, then the risk is you're going to be, you know, possibly shelling out money forever because there will always be another need. And if they're not prepared to go find a solution themselves, then you are going to be that solution. So this is why you need a financial plan and a certified financial planner to help you execute because a lot of times people think, well, the solution is money and they lack creativity to get beyond that. And there are 
oftentimes many other potential solutions that have nothing to do with money. But if you don't, if if you, the, the, this is the problem with just navel gazing is you just, you see your own situation, you just think about your situation and you don't have any kind of creativity that says, no, here are the other possibilities. And financially, we don't really have a choice. We, we must pursue these other possibilities because if financially we choose to continue to go down this road, it gets really messed up. And, go ahead. Well, I, so let's let's start talking about, well, what is some practical application here? And here's one that, um, that worked for me. And everyone is in a, has a little different life experience. So this is where I said your own money view, your own, your own worldview will be challenged today, or you'll need to rely on it. So say it, you know, we're in a traditional type of situation. You're sending the kids off to college, and you've wanted to save up and, and help them get educated, and so you've saved money for their, for their college education. Well, they throw this term around that makes it sound like it's this complicated thing, and they called it room and board. <laughs> Well, that's just rent and food. That's rent and food. And so to me, if you're grappling with, well, should my child pay for some of their college or not? I actually, you know, and, and again, you've got you to um, take this internal and apply your own values. But I would tell you, as soon as possible, start having them pay for their own rent and their own food as soon as possible. So then when they get out into the real world, they're used to what those expenses are. Utility bills and all that. I learned so much. My dad and my mom didn't sit me down and say, listen, you got to pay for your own stuff now. I just wanted to pick my own place to live. And if I'm making that decision, then I'm paying for it. And that weaning that you talked Mm -hmm. about, Kevin, Mm -hmm. on the farm, I mean, that just happened naturally when you start taking over those rent expenses and those food expenses and that should have in my opinion there's a natural time for that to happen in college yeah. if they're away at school yeah absolutely and i th- you know it's interesting when you think back this is a little bit of a strange thought but my kids used to love to kiss me on the lips and and the especially Caleb and he would come up to kiss me on my, the lips and if i turned my head at all he'd grab my face and he'd just steady it and then just plant a big one <laughs> and um i just had breakfast with him this morning he doesn't do that anymore <laughs> good and thank so, you for clarifying good. that now if we were you know russian gymnasts or they, i mean there are a few other cultures where that actually <laughs> is tom brady <laughs> tom brady <laughs> yeah so i mean that, so that that does happen but i think well, what was the, what changed when did that stop and so that was kind of a a, a passive change like for whatever reason, Caleb doesn't grab my face anymore and plant a big one on me. Um, but we didn't talk about that. We didn't. I didn't say, hey, Caleb, you're at a certain age now. You should no longer kiss your father on the lips. <laughs> he, he just stopped doing it. And you think about this with money. You know, Mike, you talked about this kind of natural weaning. Um, I, my experience was with my son Joshua, who's the oldest in, uh, of my children. He turned 18, and so I said, "No, it's gonna. This, we're gonna. This is gonna be active, Josh. This is what we're going to do. You're going to, um, uh, because you have a, a Roth IRA at Fidelity that, you, and you've had a Roth IRA since you were eight years old." 
you are going to have a Fidelity credit card that gives you a 2% cash back. And what I want you to do is connect that to your bank account so everything gets paid off. And the cell phone bill that your mother and I have been paying, that's going to go on your side of the ledger. So we're going to talk to the cell phone people and get that to show up on your credit card to get paid automatically from your bank account. So you show the children who are no longer children. It's funny, I refer to them. You show these young adults, this is how you can do it. And these are all the reasons why. I'm not saying I have the, the perfect way to do it. I have a way that works and works really well and it it checks a bunch of the different boxes and um so that so you need to sit down and take that time with your children because i i paid a lot of money for my kids to go to school over their lifetime and they they weren't taught anything about this stuff Uh, That's another interesting segue. We are going to have an episode coming up in the very near future about what the high schools and colleges are not teaching your kids about money. And we're going to break it down. I don't know how we're going to do that in one show, but it'll probably be a couple. Maybe we'll make it into a series, but we're going to address those things. And so if the high school and the colleges aren't teaching it, you can plug them into Wise Money or some other content, but they're also, they, they need to learn that from you. And I think what Kevin's saying is it was sort of by accident with my folks, and you don't need to rely on the accident. You can make it intentional. I think there's a little bit more to hit here, but also some great questions about, they've got someone whose tax return is still sitting in their savings account. What do they do with it? We've got that and more. Coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. You've got three grand sitting in the bank from your tax refund. Gosh, I commend you for that because that's, boy, a few months ago now. But you've got some choices and you and your spouse disagree. Where should this thing go? Into the Roth, onto the mortgage, keep it in the savings or maybe into some, you know, a new TV and new furniture for the house. So, well, how do you make that decision? We've, we're going to enter into that struggle here in just a minute. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me, as always, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team, her Inspired Homes team, serving Indiana and Michigan. Thank you very much. In uh, that, uh, that comment about what to do with the tax refund, that was a Uh, question emailed to us from Jeff from New Carlisle. We're going to get to that in just a moment. If you have any questions, you can send that email to us by visiting wisemoneyradio.com. There's a a question section right there on the right. There's also every episode, previous episode right there in the middle of that screen so you can catch up on anything that you've missed. Online, or excuse me, on social media, Wise Money Show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can subscribe to it. You can catch all the content right there. And then lastly, if you like to tap and prefer that way of communicating your question, 574-222-2000. You can call or text 574-222-2000. Before we turn to listener questions, we're, let's just put the wraps on, add some action items here to this struggle between raising your adult kids, raising your kids to be adult, and still helping them financially and having that, the trade-off be, well, you're not helping yourself financially. So, so what are some practical next steps? 
So I would talk to four different constituencies here on practical next steps. So I would say if you are a child uh, or a young adult, what should you do? You should educate yourself. Know that it's not going to come to you. You're going to have to go get it. And for me, one of the, the most helpful things to do was to read books. I didn't read these books when I was a child. I read them as a young adult. But I read books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and The Richest Man in Babylon, and The Wealthy Barber, and a number of these other books to understand financial concepts because you want to understand the game and how the game is played. I talked to my son Joshua who's in the army now and he talks to me about how screwed up these certain things are and I said honey that's just the game. That's the game. You have to understand the game and then how do you play the game to win the game. So I would understand the concepts and how do you how how is the game rigged and how do you play a rigged game to win it if you're an adult child i would encourage you to set some goals around becoming financially separated from your parents or your grandparents or whoever it might be in your life that is um, financially enabling you and you may need that at this point in time. Uh, the difference between you and my generation, when my generation got out of college, for the most part, we didn't have student loan debt. And if you're just an average college graduate today, you've got a $400 a month payment for your student loan debt. So I, I, would, get, um, I would get really serious about writing some goals, about understanding the concept of, of delayed gratification, and how do I get separated financially so that I can be independent of my parents or grandparents or whoever. It will change your relationships when you are financially independent of them. If you've got uh, a family with young kids, what I would encourage you to do is teach them some very basic concepts. Give, save, spend. And so these three concepts, and then what does that look like? If you give them a dollar a week, 10 cents goes to the church, Tens and for uh, when they're little kids, ninety cents goes in the piggy bank, uh, and then at some point in time, when that when they accumulate some money in there, they can pull it out and spend it, and you'll see what they're what they're prone to. But I would be educating my kids. I would even read some of those books to them. I've gotten audio books and played them for my kids to listen to, and they actually have uh, enjoyed learning, and I've enjoyed re-listening. And then if you have grown children that are not yet um, weaned or separated financially, I would encourage you to have a family meeting and probably start with a meeting with your certified financial planner first and then make your f certified financial planner the bad guy Yep. yep. and say, hey, listen, we've met with a professional financial advisor, we've sought financial wisdom, and as the leader of this family, our job is to define reality. And the reality is we can't continue doing things the way we're currently doing them. See, that's the step right there that so many parents never take because it works in their cash flow to keep paying that bill for their their kids that are adults. It, you know, it's not wrecking them financially right now, but what they don't know are the long-term ramifications of the support for their kids today.
And that's what a financial plan does for you. It tells you not only where you stand financially right now, but where you're headed. What are your future needs and are you fully prepared for them? If not, maybe the assistance that you're giving to your adult kids is preventing you from getting fully ready and you're going to have some financial pain in the future that's not necessary if you take corrective action now. Yeah. Well said. Very, very good. All right. Let's uh, let's pivot here. We're going to take some questions from fans of the show. Jeff is 49 from New Carlisle, and he sent in saying, Hey, my wife and I are debating on what to do with the $3,000 tax refund that we got. We keep it in savings. That's where it is right now. Should we put it on the mortgage, or should we put it in our Roth IRA? What are your thoughts? I mean, all of those are good options, right? I mean, in a vacuum, sure. Yeah, we wouldn't hear any of those and think, oh, that's just a bad idea, right? But where do you stand in your financial life and what is most consistent with the direction that you're headed? If you don't have three to six months worth of living expenses set aside in an emergency fund, then it may make sense for that $3,000 to not only stay in savings, but be specifically earmarked as a do not touch account that you're not going to dip into next time you're tempted to go upgrade your TV or replace your lawnmower or take a cool vacation. This is money that really truly needs to be set aside for a rainy day, which might look like an interruption to your income somewhere. If one of you lost your job or had a major uh, emergency pop up. So that might be the most important thing that you, you could do. Others may have some consumer debt that they need to chip away at. Uh, still others may uh, really be off track on their retirement goals. So the only way to really know what the best option is amongst these good choices is to build a plan and yeah. and see what is the most pressing need for those dollars and let's devote the money that way. Yeah, I, I wouldn't add anything to what Joshua said other than to, I mean, you can look at each one of these, stick it in savings. If your cash reserve isn't where it needs to be, that's where that money needs to go. This is this is these are decisions in a vacuum. This is what the vacuum sounds like. If you don't have enough money in your cash reserves, yep, leave it in there. Should I put it on my mortgage? Well, that depends on what your your mortgage rate is, and that depends. Here's what you know: if you have a huge bounce on your mortgage, that money is not going to change your cash flow at any point in time. If you have three thousand dollars left on your mortgage shoe baby pay that thing off and you just freed up a, a monthly payment right mm-hmm. so um so it's dependent upon your interest rate um cash flow and and again the question is what is it going to do for me if you put it in your roth ira that's going to give you a lift when you're 59 or 60 or whatever it's not going to give you a lift today maybe you should put it in your retirement plan today and what you didn't ask is should I put it in a 529 plan? If you haven't funded a 529 plan and all of these other things are taken care of, that $3,000 in a 529 plan is going to get you an extra $600 back on your Indiana tax return 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're going there, Kevin, because you're you're turning everyone's attention to the tax planning aspect of this money as well. This is tax refund money. My question would be, are you going to have another $3,000 refund again next year? Hmm. And is it going to happen again the year after that? Maybe rather than getting these larger refunds, you could go in and adjust your tax withholdings so that you get more money landing in your bank account as part of your take-home pay. What if you start saving $200 of that every month and you begin building a Roth IRA over time consistently. Yeah, that's right. What about uh, tax benefits of living in an apartment versus having a mortgage? Uh, We're going to break that down as well as have a couple additional questions to hit. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group in the KFG studios. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you are listening right now on the YouTube channel, thank you very much. That's my favorite way to catch up on every episode and all of that. If you uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, I'd encourage you to do that right now. I think it's that little bell right below the video there. So hit that button. You'll get all the notifications. Subscribe to it. And you can easily leave a question, comment, or share an episode. Same thing with podcasts. Search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to that as well and i'd even ask you to rate this show helps other people find us and also helps us know whether this is good content or not whether we should change things up or address something else and lastly wisemoneyradio.com wisemoneyblog.com is how you can find us online submit questions right there on the right you can catch up on all the previous blog uh, posts as, you, as well as every previous episode right there as well we are in the middle of taking questions from fans of the show and nathan has the next one he's 28 from mishawaka and he says hey do i get a tax benefit from living in an apartment or is it just a tax benefit when you have a mortgage that is a great question nathan i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the answer if you're calling the wise money show i'm gonna give you the wise answer and this is what I want you to think. Do not look at your house or your apartment as a, as a way to get a tax benefit. Ignore it. And if you buy a house, a lot of times people buy a house and they think, hey, I've got an asset. A house is not an asset. It's a liability. Assets generate income. Houses don't generate income. They generate expenses for you. Just ask your parents if they didn't make it clear to you. Um, they need a, a new roof, and they need the basement sealed, and they need to be remodeled and updated and, and fixed. So houses are liabilities, and they take money. An asset is something that generates money. Now, it's possible that you could see some appreciation from the 
time that you bought to the time that you sold your house. But when you consider what you paid in interest and what you've done in maintenance and repairs and the fact that you had to have a lawnmower and that you spent time mowing your lawn and then you spent time taking your lawnmower over to the lawnmower fix-it shop. Uh, I mean, if you just if you ever were objective about it, you'd say the biggest loser in my whole financial life is shelter. What what uh, what you what they called room and board in college, <laughs> and Mike said no, it's it's actually uh, food and housing. Yeah. It was funnier when you said it. I'm sorry. But I, so, Nathan, don't think about getting a tax benefit. Don't think about getting a financial benefit from where you're living. They've changed the itemized deductions, so most people aren't deducting their interest anymore. Yeah, so. it's harder to at least because uh, the government now on your federal tax return says that you're allowed to have a $12,200 write-off whether you have a mortgage or not. So your mortgage interest is technically deductible, but it may or may not help push you up over the freebie option that the government's giving you anyway. So it's not necessarily giving the same lift that it once did. On your Indiana tax return, yes, there is a deduction that you can take for up to $3,000 of rent that you pay. Again, that's going to save you a little something on your tax return, nothing real huge. 150 I, bucks. I thought I love everything that you just said about not thinking of your shelter as your number one asset. And it, it kind of goes in line with where my mind went as well. I remember the years when Andrea and I were renting early on in our marriage and we were living so cheap because we weren't in a luxury apartment paying huge rent or anything. We were living really cheap and that allowed us to set aside money that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to into long-term retirement savings. Those retirement assets are growing. They are building a brighter future for us, and they're doing it in a tax-sheltered vehicle. So that's really where we got a lift financially, or you could say we got a tax savings because of renting. Indirectly, it allowed us to live cheap enough that we could set aside money in tax-sheltered accounts. That will pay dividends long into the future. Yeah, I would encourage you to think, everyone thinks, well, uh, if I'm paying rent, I'm just throwing that money away. I'm throwing that money away. Listen, in the first, if you bought a house today, the first five years, you're not really building equity anyway. And statistically, people move every five years. So if that's the case, what if you stayed in that cheap apartment for five, the five years that you were thinking about buying the house? You didn't have to buy the lawnmower. You didn't have to buy the edger, the weed whacker, the, the washer, the dryer. Go on down the line. Look at all the money that you didn't spend. And if you used that time period to eradicate your student loan debt, and the other things to position yourself financially. So if your starter home for the first five years was an apartment, that's not a bad gig. It's not gonna be what everyone else is doing. Everyone else is trying to get a house as quickly as they can, only to realize that's not the house they wanted, I need to move to the next house. And I say, well, what if if your apartment uh, was your starter house and you moved from the apartment to the next step or you skipped a couple? Is anyone else totally, totally irritated with the Indiana property tax deduction versus the apartment 
deduction. I, I mean, the apartment is deduction is three thousand, and you get that deduction by paying apartment to or paying rent to an apartment complex. Um, but your property tax deduction is capped at twenty five hundred, and that's money that you actually gave to the government. So they're they're going to give you a lesser deduction on money that went directly to them as opposed to a higher deduction on money that went to an apartment complex. But I'll digress. We've got another great question from... Don't be so whiny, Mike. <laughs> no, that's... That, taxes drive me nuts. Why don't you just come nuts. to Michigan and live with us across yeah, the state the game, line? The game doesn't... Ma- it's a rigged game. It's it, rigged. It doesn't make any sense. You just need to understand how the game is played so that you can try and win it. Because you're right. The $3,000 that you deduct as a renter, that's... 150 bucks. Yeah, right. It's not it's not a huge deal. Okay, Larry's 59 from Granger. Hey, I've got a, a variable annuity that someone talked me into getting, and I want to get out of it. It looks like there's a penalty of a couple thousand dollars if I were to cash it in. Should I do that? Is it worth it? Great question, Larry. Um, I will answer that. With, the first answer is I don't know. The second answer is it probably isn't worth it. Kevin, you've talked about some financial instruments being sort of the lobster trap. I mean, like you can't, or the, or you yeah. have some sort of trap where you very easy to get into, and you know they'll make it very alluring, and you know it sounds like a great idea. And then, oh, shouldn't have done that. Let me try to get out, and you sort of can't. I will. I, I've said this boldly before, um, and we're not going to have time to to tackle it today. There's circumstances and so on that might disagree with this, but variable annuities are terrible investments. I mean, from a, from an investment standpoint, just terrible. Mm-hmm. Annuities can be great for income. Variable annuities, terrible investments. And so I agree with you, Larry. It's like, yeah, how, how can I get out of this thing? This isn't really a great store uh, of, of appreciation for me. Um, but you always have to second guess and look at all of your options when there's a penalty involved for getting out. So what what would you add, Josh? I was just going to say, what, what we don't know is uh, how Larry owns his annuity. Is it inside of an IRA or is it a taxable annuity? So not only could there be a penalty from the annuity company, a surrendered penalty, there could be tax ramifications if you literally just cashed it in and went and bought some mutual funds. Now, if that was inside of an IRA, you don't have that pain. So this would be uh, definitely a topic to review with a certified financial planner who can look at not only the investment implications, but potential tax implications as well. Yeah, annuities are just, again, Larry, think of it as a tool. And it's uh, as uh, as a standalone, it's a tool to do a job, and so if it's doing a job that it wasn't supposed to do, that may be where you're frustrated. So I would get I'd get some help. Yeah, absolutely, great great question, and those are a tricky situations. So again, I, I would I would grab the details and sit down with your certified financial planner and say, all right, what would wisdom do here, and how does this all what what is the job that this tool is supposed to be doing? And and you're off to the races there. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.